everybody out there. The Verdict is in podcast, and this is Gerard Fox. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. And if you're not feeling like anybody cares about you in the world, I want to tell you that I do. I care. And I care so much that I bring on interesting guests that don't argue politics. They provide you, the listener, with information, knowledge. And remember what I always say, knowledge is power. So these individuals are fantastic, interesting human beings who share some information with you that you may want to use in your company or inspire you to go into a certain field or just to be informed and talk about with others. All right, I have another great guest, and it's Tracy O'Shaughnessy. And she is the founder and lead brand strategist at the creative agency Branding and Beyond. Now, branding is big, and many of you out there try and work through things, but you don't quite know how to, you know, what's working, what's not. She works with clients in or around the commercial building trades and professional services. Those would be people who are managing buildings, constructing buildings, or accountants, lawyers, maybe doctors, who knows, that are great at what they do, but not so great at developing and maintaining their brand as they grow. Now, a lot of people are great. And, 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 and it's like a tree falling in a forest that nobody hears. Because in today's world, everybody is about where's, where can I find you on the internet? And how can I find reviews of you? And where can I find you telling me about your business? Tracy has been in the industry for over 30 years. Now, that's three decades of experience and, and is tired of seeing fantastic firms struggle. She sees these firms. She knocks on their door. She walks in and she goes, this is a fantastic company. Why haven't I heard about it? And waste money on what we would call half-baked solutions that fall flat. So in the world of corporate blah, blah, BS, Tracy brings a refreshing splash of color and no-nonsense advice to branding, websites, marketing, and achieving success online. And you'd want to have her as a speaker. So Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this. So first of all, I'm always going to circle this. You're a woman who started her own company. Tell us when you what, tell us when you started it, and what was the impetus for you starting your own business? Okay, it was 1999. I'm in Austin, so it was the dot com bubble, and I was working in various high tech firms in their marketing department. And if you remember the dot-com bubble, money was flying left and right. Nobody needed to have income uh, or produce income as a business. They were just getting seed money. And they were also failing left and right because they had an idea, but very few times it came to fruition. So when other people in the company would make poor decisions and so forth and things were going down, the marketing department is the first to get cut because you can't fire the developers or the sales team or the C-suite. So it's always the marketing department. So one after another, I, due to no fault of my own, was getting laid off. And I'd immediately find another job. That wasn't really a problem. But I was tired of my income and my livelihood being in the hands of someone else. So I decided, yeah, I was sick and tired of it. And so I decided to do my own thing and started my own firm and uh, been doing it ever since. And where are you located? I'm right outside of Austin, Texas. Oh, you know what? I have a son, Chris, who just went to Austin and moved there for a logistic trucking company. And Austin's a hot city. It's happening there, isn't it? It is growing. Well, Texas in general is growing, but Austin is growing 
uh, it's it's nothing like it was when I first came here in the late seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's getting it's bigger. It's a tiny bigger. little hippie town then. It's it's yeah. no longer hippie town. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now let's get into this. I want to unwrap it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to use myself as the guinea pig for our conversation. I, over a career, have tried some of the biggest cases in Hollywood, in, in finance, in real estate, in the corporate world. I've represent huge companies. And, you know, yet I have a lot of kids and I'd go home after work and I wouldn't do a lot of, you know, handshaking and go straight home to the family. And, and then I woke up one day and I realized that when I was opening up my own firm, I needed to do more than just try big cases. I needed to start to brand. And so, I mean, I've tried everything from we held huge uh, functions where we served alcohol and I gave a speech about the firm to I hired a company that put me on, you know, on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, gave me stats and tried to fan the fires of, you know, content that we put in and use Google words. But for me, I'm a professional and CEOs or general counsel hire me, not like a personal injury lawyer who wants to blast target everybody, get on TV, put a billboard on the freeway. I have to be a little bit more careful about the platforms that I use and target it. Otherwise, I'm wasting my time and money. So I'm sure that I, I could also line up a lot of the companies I represent that are scratching their heads as to why they don't have more business. So maybe you could explain how you evaluate a company and what type of marketing is effective for them and explain to them how they are wasting Time. Yeah, very often clients are having issues with marketing. They need leads. So they immediately go to the marketing layer. That's the getting awareness. And they're trying tactics and t more tactics and different tactics, and nothing seems to be working. And they're very frustrated. They've spent tons of money, hired various firms, and nothing seems to be landing. And usually the problem is they haven't done the branding work, which is what you do for whom and why anybody should give a damn. And if you haven't done that work, you're out there getting the word out. And I'm doing air quotes around the word like you guys can see that. You're getting the word out, but you haven't really spent time on what the word should be and who your audience is and what they really care about. So many firms are out there talking about themselves and they're not thinking about it from the client's perspective. So if you think about how you search, you search for things in Google and you open up probably a bunch of tabs, and then you very quickly go through them to decide if they're worth your time to dig deeper. And you are making a quick decision. And if that company could be the most amazing solution on the planet, but they haven't done the work to make it obvious that they're the one built for you, you're going to bypass them. So we have to really look at who your market is, what they really, really are looking for, and what you do from a bird's eye perspective and try to map that messaging out. And uh, in addition to the messaging, we've got to figure out who you are as a company and what your personality is. So branding, in essence, is applying your personality, visual and verbal, to everything you do. So you're not just a lawyer. You're a particular kind of lawyer that does this for these people in this area. So that when those people see you, they can recognize that you are built for them. And you have those things that they care about, the differentiators. Like in yours, you know, you hire a lot of women. Women. You're very diverse. You're um, so much different than your typical law firm that we all see on TV or have interacted with. And you make that very obvious. So when someone's looking for a law firm, those differentiators are in their mind 
And that makes you stand out in the bunch. A lot of companies haven't done that work. So they're just a construction company. They're just another lawyer. They're just a this. Well, if you're just, you're going to get chosen, if anything, based on price. And none of us built our company to, you know, fight on price. We want to, we were built to serve a certain audience and we need to make that obvious to that audience. So let me ask you about a couple of different platforms that people use. First, let's start with the obvious and more professional ones, LinkedIn. I, for a while, we ran a couple of LinkedIn groups and you have to invite people in and you have to have a moderator and you have to have content. It was very hard to hold those groups together. We didn't see any business come out of that. Um, and you know, on LinkedIn, if I were to try to start pimping my firm, I think people who are business people would just start really looking past it. So what I've done, which is just, I've decided this is how I'm going to use LinkedIn. I write about kindness and I write about people getting along and people uh, agreeing. And we post our podcast up there and people now want to get to know me, the person, they kind of like zero in on me and they want to hear what I do. Now I will tell them. So I haven't really used LinkedIn as a you, know, you should hire me tool. Uh, we've hired people using their recruiting services. Very good lawyers, actually. But I, I'm swimming in LinkedIn largely without any guidance whatsoever. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are in the C-suites of small, mid-sized businesses who are the same way. What advice would you give us? Well, you can use LinkedIn a couple of different ways. You can use it as the long game and build your personal brand over time based on your connections and what you post and what you comment and, and get that personal thing going. You can do very targeted and go for certain firms you're looking for and have a, a, a targeted strategy. But I think most, most people, what's really going to work well is spending time on your profile, making sure it's not a CV. It's written to connect. People don't go there for your resume unless you're, you're an employee and that's what you're looking for is to be hired. But for you, you know, your about section, what, what I want to know is, is who you are. And you're doing that really well with your posts. It's very personal. It makes a connection. People hire people and we want to know who the person is. And all of those posts that you make and all the posts I make and, and other clients of mine make start raising us above the bar of our category because we're so much more than our category. We have a personality. We stand for things. We stand against things. And they want to know that we're going to be the type of person they want to work with. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. Now, what about Facebook? Facebook was on the scene first, and I still hear people wanting to market on Facebook or, or track Facebook metrics. And I know Facebook is trying to compete you know, more in the business sector. What about Facebook? It all depends on your business. You know, my clients aren't necessarily there. I mean, they're there personally, but they're not there business-wise. They're not in business groups necessarily on Facebook. But some are. Like, architects have huge communities on Facebook. And Facebook is really built for the private groups and those personal groups. Those are amazing if you can build that up and maintain it and get people in there that are talking. I'm The only reason I'm on Facebook really is the groups that I'm in. And so why, why are architects particularly successful at forming groups within Facebook that drive business? You know, I don't know. It's just the activity. And their job is they're at their computer a lot. You know, construction, they're out in the field. They're on their cell phone. They're not necessarily on uh, on the computer. So I think that does help. And people have spent the time to build them. And usually it's wrapped, those groups are wrapped around a community 
or a mentoring group or a certain philosophy. And it's just gathering people of like kind, because especially if you're an entrepreneur, it's very isolating and it's lovely to be able to get into a group with people who do what you do, feel your pain that you can talk to and, and, you know, just share stories with and learn from. And I think that's why. Well, what about Twitter? Now there's, you know, and, and by the way, we have in our firm, I have, you know, myself, I'm 60 and I have lawyers down to 23. And, you know, I can tell you that uh, there are issues that I have to cross bridges on. For example, they will never pick up a phone and call somebody. Uh, you know, I say, please, please, please get, please talk to the person about this. And they send an email. And the person can be very busy, and we haven't heard back in two days. And I said, did you pick up a phone and call them? And they look at me like, you know, I asked them to, to ride a polar bear up to the North Pole. I mean, like, no, pick up the phone, call someone. So different generations, I'm sure, use things differently. And I know the younger generation's tweeting a lot of things. So how is Twitter useful? I don't spend a lot of time there personally, and neither do my clients. It goes very fast. They haven't seen a lot of benefits. It also can be a minefield politically. So most of my clients, it's not even a thing that they deal with. They might be on there personally, but they don't use it for business. A lot of people do, but not my not my segment. And you know, when it comes to the marketing layer, you have to align what you're doing to get awareness with the personality. So some personalities, like you could be great on stage. So one of your tactics could be speaking engagements where somebody else, it might not. Um, the sales team, if you... They don't like getting on the phone. You have to find other strategies that work for that personality because you can't make someone do that does something that doesn't feel comfortable. I mean, That's right. Hand, right. To force That's them right. past that hump, but it might not be. Yes. And then there's the press. And when I first started my career, it was just the printed press. And you'd have to hire a PR firm to shape a story and get it out there. Now, of course, you can buy a package for very little money and get it released digitally, a thousand different publications, your story. So for us, if we file a major lawsuit or we want to have a press release on a result or something that happened, we will do that digitally through a press package. And of course, we, we have to write it a certain way professionally within the ethics of our profession not look too cheesy or self-promoting. But how does one use the press and the digital press? Yeah, press is, is huge. I'm going to back up a little bit. There's five major marketing channels. There's advertising. So that's the paid side. And that could be traditional or online. There's PR outreach, which we're about to go back to. There's what you do on your site. Then there's social media. And then there's your sales team. And there's there's a plethora of things that fall under those, those five categories. But in PR outreach to get free press is the most amazing because you're writing a press release, but it's your job to write about something that the the printer decides that the world cares about. I have a lot of clients who love to send out press releases about things nobody cares about and they don't get picked up. I mean, you need to find the hook and you need to do some of the legwork, obviously, to make it easy on whoever the, the writer is. And when you get picked up in a publication, let's say it's a business journal, that holds a lot more credibility than if you bought a paid ad because 
You know, it, it's a lot more. It's worth the time. It's a lot of work getting articles placed in publications under your byline or by someone else in the interview is worth the time to do because it just adds to that authority. Because part of brand building is having that authority, especially if you're going the route of expertise. And if you're going that route of brand expertise or expertise in your, your industry, you need to build authority. And a lot of that comes from PR. And and there's the old fashioned view that everyone should have their elevator speech ready to go. And to have your elevator speech ready to go, you have to know who you are and what distinguishes you, right? Yeah. So you can't just say, hi, I'm Bob and I'm an accountant. Nice to meet you. I mean, that doesn't go anywhere. All right, Bob, I know a hundred accounts. I'm a person who will shake everybody's hand when I'm out in the world and say, hi, I'm Jerry Fox. And by the way, one of the top trial lawyers in the country. And I woke up one day in a big law firm and decided that my mom called me and said, women aren't getting promoted and minorities are being treated really ridiculously. And, and I, we decided that we needed a work-life balance for a very busy profession. And long before the pandemic, we put computers in people's homes and let them go home and have dinners. And we win. All we do is win. But we have lower rates and we don't bonus people for billable hours. Do you know how insane billable hours are? You, you, you bonus them to bill the client more hours? We don't do that. We, we will actually, you know, literally sit with you and uh, evaluate your case without any charge. And then our lawyers only get bonus if we add value. Now, I can say that in five minutes over little sound bites. And, yes. and, and, and someone sand bites that you can put in any order together Correct. and throw it into a conversation very naturally. Yeah. So yeah. people will, you know, with energy and passion yeah. is what I'm yeah. doing, I, you know, and it's ahead of the curve. And now really with today's world, for a lot of reasons, big companies should and are hiring us because, you know, we are, you, you, know, you can't just invite diversity. You have to have a world where diversity feels comfortable. You need to be intentional. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, we're there, we're ahead of the curve on something, but a lot of my lawyers, when I talk to them are very, you know, good at writing briefs and sitting in their office, but shy. And the first thing you have to learn is not, you're not going to turn everyone in your company into marketers. But what, what you've done is intuitively understand how brand is built. It's built in two ways. It's by what you tell people or what they hear and what they experience. So the experience is, you know, built into how you run your company and your processes. And what they hear comes in two ways. It's by what you tell them, which you're, you start out by we're a winning firm. So you're letting them know up front, you guys kick some butt in the courtroom. And you're not just a lawyer, you're a winning firm. And then you lay out a bunch of other differentiators. So that helps people file you in their head very specifically. And if you don't do that work, then there's a void of how do I file you if I file you at all? And when there is a void, your competitors can fill that in. Oh, they're very expensive. You don't want to deal with them. They're they're this or they're that. And then that gets filled in. But if you've done your job, they already know what you're about. And then they're like, what? That that's not that's not what I heard. Because branding is all about, it's different than advertising and what you do in marketing. It's about intentionally putting out there who you are, what you do, what you stand for, for who, and the value you bring. And you've done all of that in little bits within that that statement you said. And you can take those and put them in different orders and adjust it based on who you're talking to and how it relates to them. You know, you're not going to say that to necessarily a barista. I mean, you need to say it to somebody who would care about that. Yes. And, um, hey, how are you doing? What's happening today? What do you do? Let the person talk about themselves. Exactly. I mean, because people are always interested in talking about themselves. And then Completely. Yeah, do what, do you, what do you do now? Here comes my opening. If I can find the person has enough time. 
Now, let me ask you, uh, let me use another example. Mm-hmm. I am vegan, right? And I, I, and I miss eggs. I really miss eggs because I used to love scrambled eggs in the morning. And then I go to Whole Foods and not because it was branded, not because I saw it in an ad. There's something called Just Eggs. Mm-hmm. So I look, I look it up online. It's made of mung beans. It's very healthy. It's not a bunch of chemicals. And I scramble it up and it's, I can make omelets and they taste better than eggs. And, and, and by the way, no cholesterol. So, but Just Eggs is keeping their product a secret. They just, if you go into the egg department of a Whole Foods, most of them, they'll have these little yellow bottles that you think are mustard, but they're not. It just says Just Eggs. And, you know, I know to grab them and a few other people know to grab them and they sell out. But I'm thinking, yeah, man, like they should make people more aware of their product. They might be bootstrapping it. You know, there's a lot of companies that firmly believe in organic traffic. So word of mouth and that kind of, the guy who made Sriracha, he's in California, never advertised at all, not at all. And it's just word of mouth. And a lot of companies go that route because they don't have the money. And this works really well because you're an evangelist personality. So am I. So if there is something I love and I run into another vegan, I'm going to tell them all about it. Or if I run into somebody who want something else that I love, I'm going to tell them all about it. And that can work really well in that company's favor. And they're not spending a money, a dime. They're spending a lot of money for that shelf space in the Whole Foods. That alone is marketing in its own way. Yeah. Now I saw the, the one marketing ploy that will never leave my mind, although it has because I haven't seen it in so long, because I was in the middle of the country, like New Mexico or Arizona, one of those freeways, 10 or 40, where you see nothing other than like, you know, just flat land. And in the middle of nowhere, it was either Gucci or Prada. It was one of those exclusive brands had a little store right there. You could walk in and get Gucci or Prada. And I thought, wow, man, what a marketing ploy. I mean, yeah, the the novelty of that is amazing because it stood out. Standing out is like the key when it comes to marketing is how can you be different? How can you create your little blue ocean of, of, you know, you, it's, Typical red ocean is where there's a lot of sharks. Rodeo Drive, there's going to be a lot of high-end businesses all asking for your attention. But that little store, you're probably going to sub just for, you know, just, is this, just, is, what is this? Yeah, take pictures, buy something, you know. Exactly, because like, of the novelty factor. You know, and it's hard to find a novelty factor in your industry, you know. Well, it's, or it's, in any industry, probably, right? Novelty is, uh, you know, but but you have to think outside the box a lot, don't you? Yeah. I mean, you need to be intriguing. You need to be interesting. You need to stand out because we're all have access to the whole world now via the internet. And so you're not just competing in your city, you're competing with, with other people as well. So you've got to know what your competitors are doing, but not, not stress too much, but know what they're doing and know who you are in and out and know your customers and who you were built to serve. And keep that in mind because you were built to serve someone. And what do they really need? And think about it empathetically because it's honestly quite rude to have a service that is amazing, but they can't recognize that you were built for them because you haven't done the work. You just look, you know, they look at your website and, and it is really outdated. So they're not even sure if you're still in business. I mean, it could be a whole plethora of things, but you haven't done the work so that they immediately realize, ooh. This is what they, yeah, they were built for me. That is the kind of company I want to work with. I can't wait to get a hold of them. And wouldn't you agree? This is just such a fun show for me. I love marketing, by the way. I just, I love, and I've had to learn by my own. I haven't met someone brilliant like you 
earlier. Thank God I know you now. But I think marketing, your company's growth when you start a company is organic. You don't even know who you are, what you're going to become. And you have to wait a little while for you to settle in your market position to know you're going to have some staying power. For example, I'll use another example. This podcast, the pandemic happened and I represented big time radio personalities. And I always thought, man, I'd love to get behind the mic. So I bought the equipment, decided to do some podcasts where I introduced other lawyers who I think cherish their client base, not just look at them as a source of revenue. And I realized that I was the, you know, picking different, like an immigration lawyer, a criminal lawyer, a family law lawyer, right? so that people could hear what they do and what questions to ask them and hear from an expert. And that's when a friend of mine who's in radio called me and said, wow, I did a survey and people are listening because you're, you're not arguing left or right. You're not yelling. You and the guests don't speak over each other. And do you know that there's a huge audience of people who don't want politics anymore? And they don't want screaming at you know people screaming over each other. They want really interesting people who are informing them. So let's start. I'm going to start sending you some people who aren't lawyers and just run the same format. Okay, now I have a show that I can market as non-political, informative for you, a service for you. And then in the beginning, I decided, well, you know, if I want to build an audience, what are the things that bug me on podcasts? I don't want to pull out a credit card and put my internet, no subscription fee for a while. Let's just go with that. And then no commercials. So, you know, we have no commercials. It's just information, interesting guests. Now I can start selling that because what are the things that distinguish this podcast? We're not political. We're not. It's information, really interesting guests. And it's 25 minutes audio. So you don't have to get in front of a screen You can take it anywhere. You can listen to it in the airport. You can listen to it on an airplane, listen to it on an exercise bike, on a, on a treadmill, on a walk with your dog. Or without you, or with your husband, or your spouse, or your other partner, wherever you are, you can do it. If you're a kid in the inner city and you have, you know, earbuds, you can listen and be. You can, you know, we really also want to reach the inner city so that people who are listening can be motivated, take their life, and pull it up and out and into the world. So your podcast is no different than a startup business because you you have an idea, you have a passion, you have a list of things that annoy you and what you want to do different, and then you validate that business model. So. A lot of times you'll have branding up to the point that you need it. You know, maybe a logo, maybe a simple website, that kind of thing. You validate the business model and then things become clear as you see who is attracted to this, who your audience is, and it might be completely different than you thought originally. And you start honing in on your message and what you stand for. And you see people coming back with repeat and referral business. And that's the, the juicy point for me. When there is repeat and referral business, I know that there's something there to brand. People are coming back for a reason, unless you're doing a low cost play, which most of my clients aren't. And there's goodies there that we can work with. And the combination of those things and your client and what you do and, and the value you bring, we can reveal that, polish it up, add words and visuals to it to create that brand for you. And that kind of happens after the business has been in, in business for a while, just like your podcast has been around a while. And so you've honed it and adjusted it and you've learned some things. You've got data now to work so, with. So, you know, let's use the model of the podcast, but it could be anything. I'm doing video games or I'm developing a software or I'm developing some new food product or maybe a, a clothing. Or So once your company defines itself and where it's sitting in the market and where its business is coming from, and they don't want to hire a full-time marketing person, I assume they can call you. Exactly. Most of my clients don't have a marketing team. So what the, the situation they find themselves in is they started, they may have branded at some point 
but they had the set it and forget it mindset because nobody was actually in the marketing seat. And if they were in the, in the org chart, they've got a partial cheek on that seat, which really means nobody's in that seat. So you get things done and you move it off to the side and then focus on bringing in business and delivering for clients. Well, five, 10 years goes by and you look around and you're like, oops, the website's completely out of date. The sales team doesn't have tools to work with. They're going rogue. They're building their own thing and they don't know where to start. Do I hire a marketing company who is going to sell you ads? Do I go to a full service design firm? Do I hire a graphic designer? Do do I hire somebody in-house? What, what do I do? Well, that is a perfect situation to hire a branding firm because we're going to come in and figure out where you are now and where are the gaps? What do you need? Because I, I'm not going into just make things pretty. That That's not at all what we do. We don't fabricate brands. We don't just make it up. I've got to find what exists, why people are coming back to you, the value you deliver, and create and define that brand, reveal the brand, really. It's more like an archaeologist. I've got to, I've got to figure out what already exists, polish it up, and then we figure out how we're going to then apply that brand personality to a new website and to your marketing. What does the sales team need to do their job? How do they sell? Do they use slide decks? Do they pitch decks? What kind of proposal systems do you use? And make sure that everything is clear. It's consistent and you look and sound credible. That is the, I mean, if you boil down branding, those are the three things you need to do is be clear, be consistent and look and sound credible. So if somebody wants to hire you, first of all, I assume like our firm, we handle cases all over the country and clients from all over the world. Anyone from anywhere can hire you, correct? And you work for clients in other states and you do Zoom calls or get on an airplane back pre-pandemic, back in the olden days when people yeah, traveled. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and- I mean, I was ready for the pandemic. I've been using Zoom for years and have had uh, this whole setup. So I've been training for this. Yeah, I think it's going to become a big part of tomorrow's world. So someone would call you. How do they get in touch with you? How do they hire your company? I mean, I know that I'm going to want to follow up and work with you because I love your energy and energy is so important in marketing. But um, and, and that you're no nonsense, which I also think is important because you're not going to waste the chief executive's time. But how do the other, I could just have Philippa call you, but how do the people who are listening to this podcast say, hey, Tracy sounds like she's on it. I want to get in touch with her. How do they do that? You can, uh, if you're on LinkedIn, you can connect with me there and we can talk. And my, the quickest way to get there is tracylinkedin.com and that's T-R-A-C-Y linkedin.com. And that'll go to my LinkedIn profile. You can go to my website, brandingbeyond.com. And my phone number is listed everywhere and you can give me a call and let's start chatting. Because the main thing here is I want to solve real business problems. I'm not here to put a coat of paint on the business. That's not at all what we're doing. We're trying to, I jump over my clients, put my arm around their client, look back at the firm and try to figure out what does this person who has a need and you are the perfect solution for it, how can I make it so they can see and feel that you are the right choice and that they call you and invite you to the table. And I tried to solve that problem. Yeah, that is so important. I can tell you and everyone listening, all of the listeners, we all think that marketing is just natural. And, you know, let me tell you, you can waste tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars because you 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 hire advertising agency. What does an advertising agency do? It has relationships with, with platforms and it puts some print together, which may or may not fit really who you are. And off it goes, right? And it runs for a while over and over and over again. And then you realize how expensive it is. And you might stop 
or you might decide that you've got a website, but as Tracy says, it might get old. Websites, the way they were designed five years ago, has changed. The world wants information quick, quick bites, quick, quick hits, not, you know, this big, you know, wordy page. So, you, 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 you know, you could get lost in the world, you know, picture Times Square or, you know, Rockefeller Center or, you know, Penn Station or, you know, pick, pick the, your most crowded place in a city somewhere in Austin. And you could be sitting there with pamphlets trying to sell it. And no, everybody's walking by you. That is so, so many of you businesses out there. And, 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 and you know, you don't have to go out and pay $170,000 to a marketing person plus bonuses. Call Tracy, get in touch with her. She's going to be quick to the point, understand. And by the way, if you have a false image of who you are and where you're in the marketplace, boy, you're in for trouble. So, so, so at least. <laughs> That's why I like to talk to the salespeople. I like to talk to the boots on the ground. I interview people all throughout the company so that I'm not just seeing what the C-suite is seeing because they haven't been on the boots on the ground for a while and they're not necessarily selling. So I really want to figure out what the message needs to be so that your marketing can be more effective and your sales team, we can shorten that sales cycle as much as possible. And also, you know, how do you charge? Just out of curiosity. Well, it w- I charge based on the project because it, it scales based on complexity of the brand. So if it's a very simple company with one or two products, one market, that's going to be a lot easier to package than a company with, uh, they're in eight verticals and they have 10 different major, I mainly work with service-based businesses, 10 or so different services and they've got a board or they've got a C-suite of eight people. So it all scales based on the complexity and it, it ranges. But I have marketing packages, I mean, branding packages that work based on if we're doing a cleanup or we're coming in and we're doing an overhaul. Yeah, so I would imagine that the, the client has to come into you have a discussion with you and, you know, agree on where your service point is going to be, how you're going to help them and, have a plan. and write up a plan. Okay. Well, I can tell you, like, for example, there's a lot of industry that are changing. There's the dental industry. And it used to be that, you know, dentists was completely word of mouth. You know, I got, you know, this is the dentist that I go to for, you know, my teeth whitening and my cavities and my whatever. These are the root canal guys that have a long name that I always forget. Right. And yeah. then, then there's the, you know, people who implant teeth and then there's, uh, you know, the dentists that put on braces, etc. But the reality is that industry changed and people became alert to the fact that a lot of people, few people die in, uh, in dental chairs because they, you know, they're not prepared for an emergency situation. And there's a lot of turnover in dental office. So your records aren't kept and there's no reminder sent to you. And a lot of them aren't clean and you can get a disease in it. And in the dentist chair, a lot of people do get disease. So now there's rating agencies and now dentists have to really go out of their way to explain that we're safe and we're really clean and we're using technology and we send reminders you know, this way. So as your industry changes, you need to let the people out there who are now have unbelievable concerns that you're cool, that you're, that you're right. And so that's something you would also cover. With Completely. Them. I mean, you've got to map the market. Like what is the problem that is getting in the way of customers coming in? And in that situation, it would be a lot of questions. So it would be in their best interest to have a website that answers a lot of those questions and puts their mind at ease. Cause you want to be the least risky choice, no matter what your industry is, because you know, like the old advertising thing for IBM was you're never going to get fired for hiring IBM because they were the best of the best. 
and they did their job really well. And you want to do that kind of thing in your industry, whatever it is, because whoever is the gatekeeper and giving your name to the next person up who's going to make a decision, they don't want to get in trouble for bringing in somebody's name who was a bozo. So they're going to do their research and nobody wants to get fired by putting your name on the list or, or be ridiculed in any way. So you, they want to see the least risky choice. You have to think about the sales cycle, who's bringing you in, who's making the decision, what are the risks involved with yeah. choosing a company like yours? And, and, and we want to mitigate those. Yeah. And finally, and using Wells Fargo, not to pick on them as an example, your agency would be brought in because you know, Wells Fargo, they ripped off all their bank customers and that became public knowledge. And all of a sudden, a bank, which you have to have trust if someone's going to place their money in your bank. So now you have to have an advertising campaign that's directed at repairing a brand, right? That happens sometimes. Yeah, that would be a PR campaign to repair the reputation. And one great thing about being an entrepreneur is I can pick and choose my customers and that would be one I would not choose. Yes. Yes. There you go. <laughs> I wouldn't take them on because they may, they don't have good ethics. Deep yes. down. And I want to work with ethical companies that love their customers, you know, and, and honor their customers there and want to do the best job for their customers. Yes. Well, I have to tell you, Tracy, you have energy. My first thing I'll say to all my lawyers all the time is if we're going to hire anybody for any job, for any purpose, they have to have energy. Tracy has energy. And I love, you know, being raised in New York, people who are direct to the point. Don't cut around. The I should edges. have been raised in New York because I'm very blunt and direct like that. Yeah. So, yeah, listen, thank you for appearing on the show. People know how, how to get in touch with you. And look, if you have a business and you're really good at it, I know tons of people who have uh, or developers in software or video games or their or, or clothing or they have a perfume or they have something and they need the world to know about it. And they're stuck like in cement boots. Call Tracy. Call her now. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.